Hey fam, welcome to the Still Coloring Podcast with Tony Collier. I am your host, Tony Collier, and each series we lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show us all how they've rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. Come on, come on, let's lean in. Hey friends, it's Tony Collier and I am so proud, so incredibly proud to announce that this season of the Still Coloring Podcast is sponsored by Bart Technologies. One of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made as a parent is not taking technology and its dangers seriously. I mean, y'all already know our kids are being exposed to some incredibly horrific things. However, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably heard a little bit about my journey and my partnership with them. I did some research on Bark Technologies through the help of my amazing Instagram community, and it has been incredible. They have been helping me navigate this world for technology for my daughter, Dylan, and one day, my little baby boy, Sammy. And as you probably know, technology can be a major contributor to mental health issues in our little kids today. So, Thank you, Bark, for sponsoring this season as we discuss little kids with big feelings. Keep listening. You'll hear a little bit more about Bark Technologies later. Hey, guys, you're listening to another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast. We are talking about little kids with big feelings, and I got to interview Kendall Tart. She's a military wife, and she also has adopted a beautiful, chocolatey, cutie little girl. And as a blonde-haired white woman in America, it's been hard to navigate. She has made sure to lean into the hard. And y'all know we love to talk about the hard. What does it look like to adopt a kid that's outside of your race? And how do you honor them and their humanity really well? We talk about it all on this episode. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Check it out. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Tony, and I'm so excited because we are on another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast, and we have been talking about a really hard thing, which is little kids with big feelings, okay? Because, like, like grown adults with big feelings, like, we can kind of get it under control, but little kids with big feelings, it's just like a, I don't know, like a little hurricane that just, like, ruins your whole house, okay? Um, but it's a worthy conversation because we get to raise worthy kids who we get to hold and steward with God. And it's just really, really awesome. And I'm excited because I was scrolling on the Instagrams and I just scrolled right on past one of the most brightest, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing timelines I've seen in a while. And as y'all know, I'm like, I want to wear all the colors all the time. I just want to wear all the colors. And I'm like, I'm going to follow Kendall. I like her. I don't know who she is. I don't know what she does. And I don't know what's going on. Then I started following you and I saw your cutie, chocolatey little baby girl. And I said, oh, I'm in, in. And actually the video that like really had me, I think you were braiding her hair for vacation, maybe. I can't recall. And you were like, this is how you do this. And, and I said, oh, sis is in. Sis is in. She's like, I want to get this right for my black daughter. I'm down for the cause. I'm, and I said, oh, I'm in. She's my best friend. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know it, but I know it. And Kendall, I'm so grateful that you said yes to being on the podcast to talk about this, especially because you guys are in the midst of a lot of change when it comes to your family. So if you can, introduce yourself to our audience, talk about your family dynamic when it comes to having a child of a different race and what that looks like and the whole journey. And we just want to hear all of it. Tell us all the things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited and thrilled to be here. Like you said, my name is Kendall and I am a modern Southern housewife, and I say modern because sometimes the things that come out of my mouth 
don't always align with what people think should come out of my mouth. Come on. A lot of that just comes from stereotypes and you hear the way I talk and you see the way I look and you're like, oh, I know her. Like I already know her. You know, you got me pegged. And my whole premise is I had people say around long enough, kind of like you and say, whoa, okay, there's a little bit more depth. There's a little bit more to this, this loud Southern accent, these bold colors, and there's some bold thoughts and some, you know, interesting conversations happening here. And so my approach to life, my approach to um, my platform and relationships is being able to authentically and unapologetically engage in conversations that sometimes are really uncomfortable. Um, as you mentioned, we have a chocolatey brown daughter oh. and is Zadie Angelique that we ad- adopted in 2019, the end of 2019. And um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been together 15 years. Come on. And I don't know. It's crazy. And uh, he's active service in the army. And so being a military spouse and the mom to a black daughter and living in the South um, obviously makes people have a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions. And for me personally, I really got on this transformational journey, not only in my physical life because of my husband being military, but he deployed when my daughter was just five weeks old. But that was 2020 when we had a lot in our world changing. So my environment was shifting as far as, you know, we had a pandemic. I was home alone with my newborn. And also then socially, you know, for the first time in my life, and I will embarrass to tell you that, but it's the honest to God truth, had to consider what it was like to be black. And it never once had had to affect me in a way that really affected change in my life. Because for the first time, and I will never forget it. I was walking Zeddy and she was three and a half, four months old and getting that iPhone notification about Ahmed Aubrey. And it was the first time in my life as I'm walking through my neighborhood, watching these black young boys play basketball that I had ever had to consider that I had to be worried. Mm. It was the first time that it had ever struck me at all. Um, and it's because you don't know till you don't know, you know, and you find out what you don't know. So, um, In that, I started processing these emotions online and writing about it because it was contradictory to a lot of the things and um, a lot of things I'd seen and heard about what racism looked like in 23. I thought it was more blatant or I thought it was the old person, you know, saying the N word under the breath at the grocery store. Like I thought it was those things, Um, but I learned it was so much more. And so I started documenting my own personal journey of all of that online, as so many people um, have kind of seen. And that's when uh, full-time content creation kind of shifted into my career. Um, Because once again, it's this contradictory thing of here's this girl that uh, I jokingly say kind of looks like a Fox News anchor. But at the same time, I was coming back and saying, wait, 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 like, that's not okay. This is not, we're not listening. We're not saying, how do I use my platform as, as leverage privilege is such a real thing and started having conversations around books like white fragility. And, um, it was, I mean, my head was just exploding basically in real time for people to see. So in that and having a small child, you start to think about all the ways parenting comes into, into, into play outside of, um, you know, just the racial conversations, but ways like our emotions, you know, are affected and how, especially as someone like me who's neurodivergent, sometimes has a hard time with my own emotions. So I don't want to project that on my daughter. So yeah. really getting in the trenches and doing 
the work now mm. so that my daughter is able to be raised by the healed version of me and Ooh. the mom that is working and not the mom that is just dumping more trauma on her that she's already walking into. Well, this is freaking amazing right now. I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just so excited because I, we've had a lot of conversations this season with so many incredible doctors, child psychiatrists. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And I love this conversation. It's one of the reasons why I've leaned into, I'm like, gosh, I want to get her on. I want to get her on because we can talk about feelings generally all day long, right? Like we can, like kids get mad, they get sad, they get embarrassed. Embarrassment is probably connected to shame and fear and overwhelm and all the things. Like, sure, we can talk about it. But the very real dynamic in America when it comes to race is another level of this privilege that we get to raise children and emotionally healthy, stable children that we have to address. Like, it's not enough for us just to talk about emotions generally, and that's just fine. But there are real dynamics. There are dynamics of being a single mom. Like, my daughter doesn't probably even know she's nine, but when she was one, I got a divorce, like one years old. And and we lived, you know, just me and her. And there was a time when we had a two bedroom, but I couldn't afford it. So I had to have a roommate stay in one room. My daughter had another room and I slept on the couch. Like those are things that we have to process through that are situationally impactful. And this is another one of those. Adoption in general is a really hard thing to process through. That stacks up on the feelings of kids. My husband's adopted him and his twin sister. And that's like a whole nother ball game. And even between the two twins, there's a different dynamic of emotions when it comes to their adoption. One processes it one way, the other one processes it another way. And so I just want to commend you, Kendall, and I want to make sure that the listeners and watchers know, like, this is a conversation to be had that we really do need to get right. Um, and then, of course, I just want to publicly commend you for being like, I, I want my daughter to be raised by the healed version of me. That one resonated with me in a way. That just, I almost started crying. I've cried on almost every episode, so please excuse that. Um, but I just, I want to get this right as a parent and I want to have really good right. conversations about it because I want other people to get it right too, you know? Um, right. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about community. One of the things that was very hard for me when I got a divorce is that some people did not agree with my decision around it and mm -hmm. I lost a lot of friends. I am making an assumption here that when you started to dive into this really hard conversation around race and equality and diversity and inclusion and what it's like to raise, you know, a black child in America, maybe there was right. some tension in your community. I don't know. How did you process through that in healthy ways? I mean, you can only imagine. Yeah. And I, I will say that it was not the people in my closest sphere. Mm, it was not good. the people that is having daily interactions, like personal relationships. These are not people that Zadie Ann even had ever met before. These are these people that you were your teachers in high school or, you know, someone that you know from your small talent. These acquaintances that you just happen to be still Facebook friends with 10 years later. Um, and through our adoption process, I also did an online weekly Bible study for five years live every Wednesday night. And this was pre-pandemic before that was a cool thing. Yeah. And so a lot of people that were in these in this Bible study group with me that had gone along the journey of adoption and all with us. And um, I think. For them, my change came very abruptly, and it was just like, well, where did this come from? Uh, I mean, I had some people even tell me that I had drank some sort of liberal Kool-Aid because I was talking okay. about racism. You sell that and at me, Target. Was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll 12. But okay. they, like, couldn't comprehend at the basis that 
all conversations around race were not political. It was just that because of the culture of the world in 2020, they put it all together. And so I think some people's ears just got turned off to begin with. But I wouldn't forget, I made a Facebook post, you know, in 2020. And I was just so aggravated because we were not living close to family. So I was doing as all moms do, posting a cute picture of Zedian, cute uh, update, look what she's doing, you know, that kind of deal. And I would get several hundred Facebook friend likes. And this is a private Facebook page. This is not like my Instagram or anything. Uh, but then I would post something about a helpful document or article about racism or open to the conversation about things I didn't realize. Like I made a post yeah. about, you know, growing up hearing some of my parents, you know, say they couldn't like date black guys, but they could wear them their names on an NFL jersey. Like you like Russell Wilson enough to wear his name on your back, but I couldn't date him. And like, I was calling out some of these hypocrisies that sometimes you don't realize how dumb they are <laughs> until you say them out loud. You're like, you would be okay with me, you know, or as a grown man, you're wearing another man's name on your shirt, but you wouldn't let him date her date. Or like it just mathematically won't math. And so calling these things out yeah, <laughs> and people did not like it. And so I made the yeah. statement, like, if you're only here to support me and the cute pictures of Zeddy, but not support the conversations around me raising her, then we should no longer be friends. And I kind of went on a deleting spree um, and kind of did this <laughs> correlation analysis. Okay, who are the people that are clearly sub-messaging about my post and aren't responding to them? And aren't even trying to engage in the summer conversation. Because, you know, there were some yeah. people that would say, hey, like, I don't I understand what you're trying to say, but this is what I'm having a hard time with, um, especially when it came to racism. And some of those conversations were very valid, you know, from people that were like, I don't understand what you mean by talking about, you know, society's racism that has to do with, you know, laws that date back 50 years and why people couldn't get loans and why gerrymandering still a thing. Like all they couldn't wrap their hand around that because they were also born poor. They were equating privilege as a wealth thing. And privilege as an opportunity thing, but these were people that had to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They had to figure yeah. things out. And I said, I'm not taking away any of your hardships. I am not saying that any of those things didn't exist and you did not go through your own hell or your own trauma. But what we have to acknowledge is, is the fact that you were black was never also a factor. It wasn't the added layer. So yep. if you had the money, if you were able to save up the money, work for the money to go buy a house, you could go get a house because you were white. Is simply the fact that a guy that was your same age that had done the same thing, that worked the same job, he literally just could not, he legally could not. And how generational wealth was, that still was going to play an effect. That was only two or three generations ago. That's our parents' generation. Yeah. And so this conversation is about how they still affect today, why we need to acknowledge and why we need to yeah. push back against, you know, different things, not even when it comes to politics, we just question why is it, why is it a yeah. thing and have conversations but even within the church, it's such a let's not touch it with Ooh. a ten foot pole conversation. Yeah, because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but I'll commend my little small town church that I grew up in here. At the same time, um, the ladies at the church, and particularly some of the older age, you know, forties to sixties age, that aren't typically the socially active, you know, group yeah. that was pushing along these conversations. Um, they decided amongst themselves to do the bridges study, you know, and, and talking about how do we be a bridge between the these, bridge. obviously, which I know you love. And so I think that was a big jump off yeah. in our physical community, but the digital space, there was certainly a big divide 
between people who I think viewed us and doing adoption as these people that were just white savoring, you know, like they like mm. that Christianese version of adoption. Oh yeah, we do. We love it. It looks so good <laughs> on paper. And we give out good trophies for it too. But we don't like the version that transforms the whole family and the sanctification that comes through adoption that 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 makes us have to transform from the spirit inside out. And yeah. let me tell you, it was not comfortable. It did not feel good. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I mean, I, first of all, I get anxiety when people are just judging me by how I parent because I put my kid on a schedule, you know, and like all right. that energy, especially as people on Instagram who have lots and lots of followers, like it can be overwhelming. How did you manage your emotions when it came to all that negative energy online? Like, how did you shut it off so that you can keep showing up for your daughter? Well, as things kind of progressed in 2020 um, yeah. and my following started to grow and it was going from 3,000 to like 10 or 12,000. So it wasn't anything yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, had like a couple hundred thousand on TikTok, but it once again, isn't what it is now. Uh, my own Bible study group was growing and it was doing great. And, you know, we were having some conversations in there, but it was, it started to almost turn on itself. We had a few bad apples that would like, would say, well, racism just doesn't exist and wouldn't entertain the conversation. While we also had black women in the group that were like, no, no, like this still happens to me on the regular. Like I'm still watched at target constantly, you know, um, when I walk around. And so it wasn't until a specific day when a specific follower that I had been walking and discipling, you know, meeting for coffee kind of deal making special trips to see them when I didn't live in state basically called, told me that I was a sellout and um, mm. was just doing it for clout to get attention, to have these conversations wow. and forgot who I was in Christ. Like not only did she okay. attack my intention, I mean, your but faith, she attacked my your faith. integrity, everything, at, all wow. of it in one post. And then, the, and then of course there was a handful of people that liked it. And this was in a Bible study group that, I had been a part of created for six plus years. And that was, I would never forget the day. And I was just like, I can't. Um, And so I prayed about it and talked to a mentor and decided that if this was going to be part of my cause, having these conversations and my purpose, then it was okay to take my faith back privately. And so I decided that in this season, particularly then that my faith was something that had to become my faith again. And they weren't allowed to pull from my faith. That's really and I think good. especially as women, we, we hear the analogy of pouring from an empty cup and we just pour out for other people. And I was I was pouring out all my emotions of what I'm going through in this transformation. I was pouring out all of my knowledge and, you know, these exegesis I was planning on these Bible studies. Yeah, Because these were not, I did not do these fluffy, like, make you feel good Bible studies. Like, like we you were, were in the word, honey. We was oh, unpacking oh, Leviticus, oh, okay? Oh, the oh, altar of God. Yes. I and mean, we would spend an hour going verse by verse. Oh, that's good. You know, one chapter at a time. Like, if this was not your mama's fluffy Bible study to make you feel good. And um, it was, I was just poured out, you know, not to mention my husband was home from a deployment. You know, I finally decided to get on medication for my ADHD. There was just nothing left of me anymore. And I needed Jesus to be Jesus for me. And I needed to stop being Jesus for other people for a season. And and that was hard, though, because I felt like I had failed. I felt like I had failed my people. Yeah. And it, it was just a reminder that sometimes it's okay to hit pause. Like You don't have to hit quit. You don't have to say I'm done forever. But 
I had to take pause because the emotional toll of the comment section was already was for the first time ever affecting me. Yes. And then to have people that I actually had personal relationship with come after me, that was yeah. just the last It was straw. the line. Well, that's what it, it's interesting because we love to show up for people that really sometimes won't show up for us. And it's it's mm-hmm. like this spiral because I'm an achiever. And I have had a lot of issues with people pleasing. And so it's almost like the more they hate me, the more I try to like show up for them and let me help you. Let me show you that Mm -hmm. I'm actually worthy of being loved and you don't have to be mad at me. And it's like, I am exhausting the energy that I should be giving my family. What am I doing? Oh, 100%. Oh, it's so crazy. If you are a parent or a caregiver today, you know just how hard it can be raising kids in the digital age. The struggle is real, y'all. When it comes to balancing screen time, keeping kids safe from dangerous websites and all the countless other threats out there, y'all know it can be a challenge. And it's hard to know where to start. The Bark Phone is the answer parents have been looking for. It was built by a dad of two looking to keep his own kids safe online. And let me tell you, the reviews are popping. As a Bark Phone parent, you manage literally everything your child can do on their device, from who they can text, what apps they can download, and even when they can use them. The best part of this is that it's all customizable. If your child is young, you can block everything and just allow text and talk. As they get older, you can gradually add in games, apps, social media if you want, and you can scale back at any time too. If your kid just needs a little breather, Now, Bark's technology can also scan text messages, emails, other apps, social media, and alerts you to potential dangers like bullying, online predators, sexting, suicidal ideation, and so much more. For peace of mind, when your child is out and about, you can also use Bark's GPS location tracking to keep an eye on them. Not in the market for a new kid's phone, but still interested in keeping your kids safer online. Bark also has a safety app that you can put on iPhones, Androids, Chromebooks, iPads, and even Kindles. So here's what I want you to do. Check out Bark technology for your family. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. I'm going to say that one more time. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. Listen, you will not regret protecting your kids. Okay, I have a story that I want to share with you and then I want to get your opinion on it. Um, I had a really good friend. She's a really good friend now, but she was a complete stranger, move into the same uh, neighborhood as us. And she is so incredible. I love her so very much. But white family adopted two black siblings um, and her daughter was still super young and we started hanging out. We just kind of ran to each other at the clubhouse. And... Um, she said, hey, she texted me. She said, hey, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that we met you. Um, my daughter was so excited to see you because for the first time she said, oh, I think I, I could probably be a mom. And she was like, well, what do you mean to her daughter? And she was like, well, if Miss Tony's a mom, then I can be a mom. And she started mm-hmm. realizing that her daughter had believed that only white women could be a mom mm-hmm. because that's all that she's seen for right. so long. And they had purposefully moved into our neck of the woods because they wanted a more diverse environment for her daughter. And she was just so grateful because it was affirmation that, oh my gosh, this was a good move. My daughter didn't even believe that she could be a mom because she'd not seen a black mom before. And so I'm really proud of my friend because she's having these conversations. She's pressing in. I'm wondering how parents of an adopted child or 
you know, of a child that's a different race than them. How do they balance these really hard conversations? I don't even know what I would say to my daughter if she's like, oh, I can be a mom. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, those are some really deep and intentional conversations. How are you having some of those hard conversations? Are you having them yet? Are you preparing for them right. in the future? What's your thoughts around that? Well, I mean, those are obviously hard conversations, but yeah. if, if it is someone who's looking into adoption or someone who is thinks about they might want to do it down the road or they're entering into an interracial relationship. Yeah. These are conversations I think you need mm. to have before the baby ever gets here. Um, we were we were very blessed to have a counselor that asked the question to us, would you be willing to move zip codes so your child's not the only black kid in school if that was wow. an issue? Um, or the only black kid in your neighborhood. You know, and it was an interesting thought to me because I grew up here in our small town and that it was a very, there was only one school, you know, it wasn't like there was an inner city school and then a rural school, like in a lot of other areas, there was one school. So I, my husband and I both grew up in very diverse schools and, but it wasn't time to think about where we were in Tennessee, which thankfully in Tennessee, we had a very diverse neighborhood, but I was talking to my assistant at the time and she was from Kansas and she was like, come to think of it, I think there was only one black kid in my whole high school. And I was like, what? what? Like it never crossed my mind that, that that was probably a thing. Yeah. Um, but in having that conversation, especially as a military family that moves around a lot, it is a conversation that we have to have every time we move. Like, what is the neighborhood going to look like? Because it's like why we love having an open adoption. If we have done the work to make sure Zadie's questions are that she hasn't asked or already answered, like, who's my mama? Where did I come from? You know, what does my family look like? Do I have siblings? If all of those questions are already naturally taken care of, it's less stress on her because can you imagine him being three or four and feeling like you've got to get up the courage to ask, but why don't I look like you versus from the very beginning, we have talked about the beauty of her melanin skin and, and how beautiful she is and looks like mama J, but she has brown eyes like her mommy and daddy and like how God works all the colors together. And, you know, that all families don't have to match. And thankfully, Tony, you know, I think the kids of this generation are so blessed in the sense that they didn't grow up nuclearly like we did, where like we yeah, were we did. very much sold like this is what the Lever to Beaver family looks like. Like this is the Even Stevens family. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. This, this is the Cosby's. This is a Brady Bunch. This is how we look. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Like there was not an in between versus. Wow, that's good. You know, I even think about my nephew who's 17. Like it's very, inco- very common for kids in high school to have always been raised by their mom. To been raised by you know their mom and a stepmom and their dad, you know, like to have these different family dynamics, and for families to not match or families to not fit a specific equation, and so it it's less conversations about well, why is it the way it's supposed to be? Because I think what's supposed to be that goal is changing. So back to the original conversation is is we tried to get in front of it as much as possible, so that she feels comfortable asking the question. Um, you know, why, well, she asked me the other day, she's like, mommy, when will I have long hair like you? Um, and I said, well, baby, your hair's growing all, every day, every time, you know, we wash it, we see how long it is. And if one day when you're big enough and you want to save up your money and buy some extra hair, we'll make it even longer. Because um, my sister, who's also white, know, you know, I gets extensions that. and we talk about it. You know, like yes. it is, it is, I, I, maybe it's my naivety, like, I don't know, or just my, my blondness, we'll blame it on whatever. But the bigger a deal you make it out to be, like yeah. if she wants to, one day when she's ready and she wants to have her hair straight or she wants it curly or she wants to do whatever, 
we're going to do it. Like that whatever makes her feel most confident. It's just my job in this season to take care of it and make her feel confident. But I think some people, the more we get worked up about it, the more we allow our emotions to get worked up about it, the more they are. So as long as she feels like she can ask me any question um, and we can continue so to surround good. her with people that she looks like and people that she can see herself being, I, hopefully we've mitigated some of those harder conversations because it's just going to be a daily question. Oh, Kendall, let me tell you two things that I took from what you just said, because I'm literally learning myself because you just never know. Like my husband has a heart to adopt. He was adopted. Like we, we don't know what that would look like for us, you know? But one of the things I, I have heard you said, and I'm taking from this conversation is to parent on the offense, not the defense. Like if we can just get ahead of some of these things, because we're intentionally thinking about the future of our kids, we're not just living for the now processing for the now, but we're like the what's to come. Like, that's just such a powerful tool. And then I want to comment on the last thing that you just said. You're like, I don't know what it is, naivety. I think it's humility. I think that's what you have. I think you're not walking around in this earth saying, I've got it all figured out. I know what to do. I know how to answer the question. I think you are expecting that sometimes you'll get it wrong. And so humility says, I'm going to be as equipped as I possibly can. And that is freaking amazing. And I think that's like, if anything, like you have so many great attributes. Obviously, you're just like amazing. You can match really well. Like it takes me a little bit of time to figure out what colors go with what. Like you've got all these great traits. You love your daughter. You're learning how to do her hair. But it's your humility and your kindness and preparation. That's, man, the best gift that she can have in a mom. Like that's, oh, thank you. I just think that's really freaking cool. One of the things that is really hard as a parent is trying to parent well with no resources, like no books, no access to things that can really help you process through it. And so I'm excited because I have gotten to be a part of a project that I've needed for myself. And it's my brand new kids book. It's called Broken Crayon Still Color. It's helping littles process their big feelings. And y'all, it is just the... I don't know. That's the joy of my heart right now because I'm seeing kids, maybe for the first time, parents, maybe for the first time, talking about something that's been taboo for a long time, like our feelings and the fact that when we have big feelings, good ones and really bad ones, like it doesn't make us bad. God still loves us no matter what. And I'm excited because this book is touching the world. It's being put out in Target. Yep, that's a big deal. It'll be in Target, in stores, and it's just cool. I hope that you grab a copy for the kids in your life, for you, maybe yourself as a parent. All you do is head on over to TonyJCollier.com backslash crayons. It'll also be in the show notes. I hope you grab a copy. Yay. I say it's like a small thing. You're like, well, if, if, if someone's listening and they're adopting, what's a small thing? You know, it's yeah. having that conversation about, am I willing to move? And I told a girlfriend that who was considering adoption and she was like, we live on family land. We've, we've built a house. We literally couldn't move. And I was like, then I say this with all the love in my heart, then you should not adopt outside of your race. Because do you want to put your child in a situation where they never feel like they belong um, because they don't see themselves around them? And, and and we have a relationship close enough, you know, that we can say that. Um, and it's conversations that, you know, we've had with our pastor because I've grown up with a predominantly 
white, you know, white small town church. You with like I'm I'm here to be a part of you know bringing in more diversity and having those conversations in our town. But you know, especially as Eddie gets older, if we need to change our place of worship, the place I got married, the place I was baptized, the place that you know I've been my whole life, in order to make her feel more comfortable, because you know, Tony, I was raised in this church, and I always saw women on the stage. I always saw women preaching. My church has always been women affirming. So I never once, and this is what I used to my example. I've never once questioned if I could do that. I've never once. Oh, same. Thought, yeah, me neither. I, I, never, I was like, what are you yeah, talking I never about? Never once. Like, and my husband didn't grow up. He grew up in a different denomination where he was like. Y'all let women do that, and I, you know, and he was he was fine with it for personal stuff. He was just shocked because he had never seen it before. And I said, I want her the way that I grew up confidently in the church, knowing that I could be a part because I saw a woman. I want her to feel that way about being a woman, about being black, about you know her hair, what she's interested like, just because representation matters. And so, like getting this the big things right about checking yourself on that, but it's also the small things like. My mom gifted my daughter two American Girl dolls with, you know, beautiful Gabrielle Union skin and perfectly curly <laughs> hair before she was even born. Like the child hadn't even made it mm. into this earth. And so making sure because we knew, I mean, I can't even tell you my, it's not appropriate for public consumption, my comment <laughs> on what it looked like, the bar, the baby doll aisle at Target back in 2019, because this Come was on. before a lot of the diversity initiatives. Yeah. Um, but the edited version that I said, why does it look like this is the children of the clan meeting? Like, because they okay. were all because, I mean, but you probably noticed they were little all house on hair. the prairie down the aisle. Yep. Well, they were all blonde hair and blue eyes, you yeah. know, and like, and same thing at Walmart. And this was 2019. Yeah. I was like, what? And I made yeah. that small comment to my mom and my mom ordered two American Girl Dolls where she could customize them, you know, and it was, that was probably my start of the awakening. So, Come on. you know, have those conversations, read the book, White Fragility. It'll hurt your feelings okay. a Help lot. Help the people. It'll, Okay. It'll hurt great. your feelings a lot. Give us the I resources. Cried. Yeah, I cried a lot. Um, and and it you have to be comfortable with sitting in your guilt, mm. um, but not weaponizing that guilt. You know, like guilt Ooh. is something you have to process on your own. It's nobody else's fault. It's just reality Come sometimes. On. And so sometimes that guilt don't let it turn to shame. Like I feel guilty about not acknowledging what my friend Victoria was going through as we were growing up yep. in the same school. Yeah. But I didn't turn it into shame where I couldn't do anything about it. I was like, I felt that's guilty. Good. It didn't, I didn't you didn't let it cripple you. Right. Ooh, and then moving good. past it. So that's why I just, you know, try to tell people whatever privilege you have. And it doesn't mm. just have to be race. It could be resource wise, your education, um, yep. your zip code. I don't know. But use that privilege as leverage. And mm. I think that is the greatest gift we can have in building legacy for our children. Kendall, you have done a thing here, girl. I didn't know what to expect from this interview. Let me just tell you. And I just, I'm so grateful because I just think it's really needed. And as a black woman in America, I just want to say thank you. Like 2019, 2020 was hard. We were bridge builders, my husband and I. It was tough to stand in the middle and take it from both sides. And it Mm -hmm. was a lot of our white brothers and sisters, our friends that said, I'll take some with you. I'll stand mm-hmm. in the trenches with you. Um, mm-hmm. That helped us so much. And so I just want to thank you so much for being here. You guys go follow Kendall. Her Instagram is going to be in the show notes. And I'm with you, girl. Okay. And if you have any questions at all about hair, let me know. Oh, listen, but it looks I like will. you got I, it locked in. Okay. Girl, I have tried. Listen, I, there's more than once I've been standing on one of the aisles at the hair store. And like, there's, 
those girls that were there Sally's. Like, Kendall, do you need some help? Oh, Come no, here, we sweet the girl. World. We oh, had the beauty world. Oh, you got the big and, one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Sally's, because, you know, Sally's don't have a lot for sports. She don't like, yeah, We got to take it right. all the way. And so, that, I mean, they see me looking like this, and they're like, we know you need help. And I'm Come like, on, yeah, sweet I, baby. I'm comparing three different mooses, and I'm not sure which one I'm supposed to do today. <laughs> I do not know um, what I need to slap on these braids, okay? I don't yeah. know. I do and not know. And they take me by the hand. And so, I mean, we are so much in debt of all the internet aunties and the yeah. women that just come up to us in the grocery store. Yeah. And, you know, God bless my friends to get the SOS text yeah. um, <laughs> about all the things. Thank you. Well, I love you, girl, and I appreciate you. And Thank we'll be following so in, honey. I'm going to be in your DMs. It'll be great. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Hey fam, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. I also just want to say that I do not do this alone. I have an incredible team that helps to make this podcast possible. It's produced by me and my lovely assistant, Amanda Reed. All of the episodes are edited by Robert Elkins. If you love the artwork and the graphics and all the marketing that we do, it's done by Natalie Maxey of Nueva Creative. Also, we have illustration show notes. Head to my website, tonyjcollier.com backslash podcast, and you can download illustrated show notes done by my girl, Emily Mills of Sketch Academy. All right, last thing. If you love listening to the podcast, you are really going to enjoy watching it. So head on over to my YouTube channel and watch the full episodes done by my girl, Kendall Patterson of Lovely House Media. Let me remind you of something right now. Even when you're in the middle of the greatest pain of your life, even when all hope seems lost, just know that God is in the business of healing and he is still and always will be your ultimate redeemer. Love you.